Global Coin Initiative podcast, where we talk about new initiatives from individuals or companies with high impact in the cryptocurrency space. For our first episode, we are talking about our in-house initiative grown under the Global Coin Research umbrella called blockchainsforschools.com. It's an initiative to help educate high school and college students understand cryptocurrency and blockchain throughout building and writing. We also have a mentoring program, so check us out at blockchainsforschools.com. Hey, I'm Jerry, a soon-to-be college freshman at Stevens Institute of Technology and a Global Coin Research Fellow. I'm planning to study computer science, although I've just been involved in entrepreneurial ventures lately, most notably growing a social media influence creating self-improvement content. I got interested in blockchain during the Bitcoin spike when it reached a value of about 20k. The guest today is Renak, who is sharing how he built his own blockchain. Hey, I'm Renak, a rising senior at Stuyvesant High School and a research fellow working with Global Coin Research. My main interest is computer science. I've studied and actively programmed for over two years now, and I've been working on multiple projects to continue my interest. I got interested in blockchain a couple years ago after reading several articles about it and decided to dive deeper into it. Blockchain has a lot of negative stigmas. This turns people away when you want to explain it to them. Any funny reactions when you tell people you work at a cryptocurrency internship? <laughs> I've had to explain this a lot to my friends recently. They all perk up when they hear I'm doing something in blockchain. I think I've helped them understand it a little bit more, but it definitely takes a lot of time for it to fully sink in. Personal experience. At its core, a blockchain is an encrypted ledger. A ledger is a financial term for a record that holds all transactions. When a transaction occurs, it is logged into the ledger. For blockchains, this is a little different. Every transaction is logged into a list of transactions, called a block. This block is encrypted using something called hashing. Pause. That's a lot of technical stuff. For those of you out there who are a bit confused, can you explain to them what hashing is? Yeah, no problem. In hashing, you input some sort of text. In computer science, we call them strings. And a hashing tool spits out a load of seemingly gibberish text. Its power comes from the fact that it's pretty much gibberish. No human can read it. The other advantage is that the text is hashed and cannot be falsified. For example, if you tried changing a transaction amount or address and hashed it, the resulting hash is not the same as the original hash. It becomes easy to check for counterfeit data. Great explanation. Hashing is important in the world of cryptography. If this stuff sounds interesting to you, you should try pursuing cybersecurity. I'll also add one thing. You can't get the original string from that gibberish text. You gotta keep trying different inputs to get the output if you want to determine the input. Anyways. There are different types of blockchain. Care to explain some? Yeah, sure. So we've established that blockchains are encrypted ledgers. What we're dealing with now are different flavors of blockchains. For the sake of time, I'll go into only two, although there are more. Bitcoin-derived blockchains and Ethereum-based blockchains. Bitcoin-derived blockchains operate on the principle of verifying transactions. In lay terms, once a block's list of transactions reaches a certain point, the block is sent to a network of computers, which then solve complex math problems to de- verify the block. The first computer in the network that manages to solve this, their problem will receive a certain sum of cryptocurrency. In Bitcoin's blockchain, they receive 12.5 Bitcoin. This is what people call mining. The block is then added to the network. Ethereum's blockchain relies on the concept of smart contracts, a contract that is built into the blockchain itself. Once the parties on both ends of a transaction uphold the terms of the built-in contract, the blockchain allows the transaction. This allows for the automated moderating of transactions. Nice. If you are interested in cryptocurrency mining, there are many informative articles online about it. If you ask me, I wouldn't recommend it though. Due to the high maintenance and startup costs and volatile prices of cryptocurrencies that end up making the act not worth it. I'll second that. I've heard of people spending their entire fortunes on trying to mine cryptocurrency. So how can blockchain be used in the real world? 
The most well-known use case of cryptocurrency isn't really a good meta exchange due to the high transaction fees. Although I do hear that times are changing, and some countries accept it. What are some other use cases? Yeah, most people get hung up on cryptocurrency when blockchain is a real driving force. I actually went to a Microsoft event a while ago where they were featuring Microsoft Azure services, which are services people can use in developing their own applications. The presenter on blockchain used smart contract blockchains to send funds to Puerto Rico, and thanks to that smart contract, he can verify the transactions with absolute certainty. Alright, on to the main event. Mm-hmm. I made a mining-based blockchain. Wait, what? Why did you decide to make one anyways? As a programmer, I found that the best way to learn is by doing it. Throughout my time as a research fellow, I've tried to understand a blockchain on a more fundamental level. And then I thought, hey, why not program a blockchain? It'll be fun, plus I'll be able to learn a lot. So I decided to program a blockchain myself in order to learn and have fun. So what programming language did you use to create blockchain? You know how the tech industry is sometimes. Oh, you code in Python? Real programmers code in C++. Oh, you code in C++? Real programmers code in machine learning. Uh, let me stop you right there. Machine learning isn't a language, and C++ isn't the only language out there either. Python is the most popular programming language besides web development languages like JavaScript. So I decided to do mine in Python. Yeah, I was just kidding. Where did you learn how to code a blockchain anyways? I didn't get this kind of opportunity. This gets into my favorite part about computer science. You don't need a formal education to program cool projects. I learned how to code a blockchain by finding a guide on Medium by software engineer Daniel Von Flyman. Wait, that's pretty cool. Could you go more into detail about this guide and your experience building the blockchain? Yeah, sure. Before I begin, as an engineer building this from scratch, I thought about the concepts of classes and objects in computer science. Objects are essentially things with properties. For instance, a specific human is an object. It has its properties of speech, body temperature, and attractiveness. Each human is its own object, but all of them are humans. That's where classes come into play. All people, Jerry and Renok included, are of the class human. Well, that's a pretty simple topic to understand, but how does this relate to blockchain and your way of thinking about how you code it? Well, let's break up the word blockchain to block and chain. A blockchain is a chain of blocks. Therefore, alluding to what we just mentioned about class, our blockchain class in my code needs to include some way of creating blocks and adding them to the current chain. So I attributed the blockchain with the property called chain, which is a list of blocks. And in general, each block gets its own object? Well, that doesn't need to be the case. We only need to create blocks when the number of transactions that the blockchain is handling reaches a certain point, which means we need another property of blockchain, current transactions. This tracks the transactions going through the system and determines when we should create a block that needs to be added to the chain or not. So your blockchain code is essentially you allowing transactions to get written to the block and then once it reaches a certain number of transactions, you create a new block and then you tie them together? Yep, I then add the block to the chain. Alright, I got a pretty good understanding of blockchain coding now. What makes your blockchain different from all the other ones people created using the guide by Daniel? Or did you just copy and paste? The guide is very old by the way, but I'll post it below the podcast. There is some information in there that no longer exists in Python. I won't release the technical details of it because that's not fun unless you're a computer science person. There's also some stuff in there that I wanted to tweak because I saw no need for them and the author did not justify why I need that stuff. Again, it's technical information. So I am assuming you needed outside sources for help creating the blockchain. Are there any concepts you struggle with? Oh yeah. You see, the blockchain class itself is useless unless it has some way to communicate with the outside world so others can use it. 
Von Flyman suggested building an application processing interface, or API for short, to allow for user interaction. I've had experience with and receiving information from APIs, but I've never built one before. Also, the API he suggested called for a library called Flask to build its application. I'm out. You were making sense for the first few seconds, but then started spouting nonsense. You gotta tell them what an API is before you keep going on. Alright, my bad. An API is a software development tool that all companies, big and small, use when de developing tools for developers like us to use. For example, Microsoft Azure Services is an interface by a collection of APIs. As to what it does, it's an interface. It lets users request information from it, which is why interactions with an API are called requests. An API returns information that a developer can use in his or her program. Also, you mentioned something about Flask in a previous response. How did you use it to create blockchain? Yep, I was gonna talk about that. Flask is a website development library that lets you write backend, the infrastructure you don't see when you view a website, in Python. The reason why it can be used to create an API to allow for interfacing with the blockchain is because Flask allows you to handle something called HTTP requests, which are special types of requests. HTTP is just a standardized protocol that all developers within the industry use. Wait, why is your blockchain on a website? Don't most blockchains run on a different platform like Ethereum? It's not on a website. Not yet, at least. Like I said, Flask lets you construct APIs as well, despite its main rule as just backend for a website. Yes, a lot of blockchains run on the Ethereum blockchain, which allows people to create smart contracts as they see fit, which creates new blockchain protocols. These are programmed in Solidity, which is a language Ethereum provides. Fun fact, Solidity is very similar to JavaScript. I once mistook Solidity code as JavaScript code. Okay, I think we had enough of the technical stuff. I want to hear your experience with the coding. Tell me about the most fun part during the process. I guess one fun part was reaching outside my comfort zone. It's the reason why I was drawn to blockchain in the first place, because it's at the frontier of computer science. I wanted to push my own frontier by challenging myself to program it. Probably the most fun part was when it actually worked. I remember spending an entire day learning how to send HTTP requests through a software called Postman. I also remember cheering when my blockchain registered a transaction that was from and to different addresses other than my own. Before that, it kept crashing. Speaking of crashing, programming is never an easy road. There were probably a bunch of mistakes or times when it didn't work, even though it seems as if the code is correct. Tell me about a tough time. Oh yeah, I've had one of those. As I mentioned before, the guide was pretty old. One of Von Flyman's colleagues told me he had written it several years ago. As a result, some of the code in his examples was so foreign because it was just straight up outdated. For instance, I had to do some string formatting, but Von Flyman used a version of formatting that was no longer in use. I remember scratching my head for hours on end and almost gave up before I realized that I could create a workaround. I remembered using string formatting for one of my other projects and decided to use that instead. But this was only after I talked with a software engineer on Hacker Thursday. All the failures and tough times make the victory feel much better. Any comments on this topic such as the biggest takeaways or what had the biggest impact on you? I think it's really that I was able to gain a much better and fundamental understanding of blockchain than I would have. That was my original goal. I've come to understand it much better than when I started this research fellow and I'm much more confident in communicating to others about blockchain. It's also given me a tool to pivot conversations. I remember a lot of software engineers were interested in what I was doing and applauded me for programming a blockchain on my own. Darn, I completely forgot to ask earlier, but what exactly can your blockchain do? It doesn't seem that you have a coin or token to use with the blockchain. 
Yeah, I completely forgot to mention that part. My blockchain includes the ability to mine for coins. This is done through something called the proof of work algorithm, which requires the miner to solve a puzzle using processing power. In basic terms, it automatically sends coins to the address of the person that managed to uncover the proof of work. Hey, that's cool. What if you wanted to take it further? What other applications can you add? The reason why a blockchain is so valuable in the first place is because a lot of the security behind it. Although I have the core functionality down, there's a lot to be desired in terms of cybersecurity. I've reached out to a crypto NYC software engineer, Chris, who kindly provided his blog on explaining technicalities of the security of a blockchain, and I'm hoping to use that to beef up my own. Hey, it's time to wrap it up. Thanks for providing insights on blockchain and how you called it a blockchain. Since you answered the questions well, you get to plug yourself. Tell the world what's happening in your life or anything you want to share. As a research fellow, I also write articles and opinion pieces on the state of the blockchain community. You can check those out on blockchainsforschools.com. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Remember to check out Blockchains for Schools. We are always open for comments or suggestions, so don't be afraid to drop some feedback. Thank you.